scripture reading for today is Galatians 5, 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith, which works by love. Galatians 5, 6. Welcome to today's reading. We'll be reading January 28, 29, 30, and 31, finishing off the month. Reading from the book, Limitless Love by Copeland's, by Gloria and Kenny Copeland. Heavenly Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and enjoy the reading of your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. 28. I'm a faith person. I believe deeply in the importance and the power of faith. Yet, I'll be the first to say that faith by itself is not enough to make us more than conquerors. We must also have love because the Bible clearly tells us that faith works by love. Love actually inspires faith. It gives faith a foundation to build on. You might even say love gives us reason to believe. Think about the love of God, for example. His love for us is the foundation of our faith in Him. John 3.16 says, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that by believing in Him, we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Imagine it, God sacrificed His very own Son for us. And what prompted Him to do it was love. Actually, it's His great love that prompts Him to do everything He does for us. It's His love that provides exceeding great and precious promises that bless us both in this life and in the life to come. It's His might, mighty love that causes His mercy to be new toward us every morning. Over the years, I noticed that people who don't grasp God's love aren't able to have much faith in His Word. They struggle and try to believe, but when push comes to shove, their faith falters and fails. Why? Because they don't have a revelation of love to back it up. On the other hand, when we truly begin to understand and experience how full of compassion God is toward us, we can easily believe He'll keep His promises to us when we know how much God cares. We can trust Him to do what He says. We can have faith that He'll take care of us in every situation. In his wonderful book, Christ the Healer, F.F. Bothwell writes, I have seen faith rise mountains high when the truth of God presents love and compassion begin to dawn upon the minds and hearts of the people. It is not what God can do, but what we know He yearns to do that inspires faith. Remember that, that when you find yourself struggling to trust the Lord, spend some time in fellowship with Him, feeding on His words of love for you, receive and act on them in your relationship with others, you'll soon see to yourself that faith truly does work by love. Amen. <clears throat> Let me read that again, please. In the wonderful book, Christ the Healer, F.F. Bothworth, by the way, that's on YouTube. The reading is from the, the grandson who reads his grandfather's book, Christ the Healer, and it's on YouTube for free. It's an amazing piece of literature of love coming from the voice and the Holy Spirit. We play it all day long and enjoy it as we do our duties around the house. Thank you. I have seen fate rise mountain high 
When the truth of God's present love and compassion begins to dawn upon the mind and hearts of the people, it is not what God can do, but what we know He yearns to do that inspires faith. Amen. All right, let's go to the next one, please. Now remember that it's knowing that what God can do has done and continues to do. It's a revelation of faith. Like everything is working by love. It's just amazing that his son was sent to the cross by love. We know that one. But his mercies are new every morning. Even in our failures before we became Christians, it was the grace and the hand of God that sustained us through our misbehaving and un unable to receive God's love. January 29, don't let anyone steal your joy. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy remain in you, and that your joy may be full. John 15, 10 and 11. Do you want to live a truly joyful life? Then walk in the love, because joy and love flow together. If you think about it, you can easily see why. In this world, we're surrounded by selfish people. They're on the highways honking and gesturing and cutting rudely in front of us. They're in the workplace saying harsh and unliking things. Sad to say, you'll even encounter them in church. Ignoring you instead of giving you a smile and a warm hello, snapping at you because you didn't do something just right. If you don't walk in love, someone will steal your joy before lunchtime because there's always someone out there who will be mean to you. They don't necessarily do it on purpose or any more than you and I do, but they're human and any part from the influence of God. Human beings are naturally selfish. They'll say something ugly to you or wrong you in some way and ruin your whole day. You can end up thinking about it and letting it eat at you until you become decreasingly joyful and increasingly upset. Living a life of love, however, will alter the progression. Why? Because love endures long and is patient and kind. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account for the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 5, the Amplified Bible. Love enables you to overlook the offenses of others and let them go free. Love makes you think differently instead of thinking, how dare she say or, or he say such a thing like that to me, unkindly. I'll give them a piece of my mind, yeah? Love makes you think. They must be really be hurting inside to say such a thing to, uh, to me and maybe a bunch of other people. I wonder if there's anything I can do to encourage them, if there's any way I can help. I can't tell you how many times that had happened to me. There has been situations when someone mistreated me, and by the grace of God, I resisted the fleshly reaction to get angry. I just said to myself, I'm not touchy, fretful, or resentful because I choose to yield to the love of God. Then, instead of lashing out, I was able to look at that person right in the eye 
smile and speak a blessing instead. As a result, no one was able to steal my joy. Because of love, I was able to go on my way. I have a delightful day. And have a delightful day in the Lord. Amen. That is truly a revelation, what she talks about, to experience someone that you always are trying to get over on with words. Realize that the person is asking to be saved. They don't know how to live, and you do. And that's why they're attacking you. They're actually a, a crying for help, and they're hanging in there with all they have to keep their sanity. They are looking for a better way to live. Uh, the best way to do is to pray Psalm 23 for those people. Let's go ahead and do that now. Let's say, The Lord is their shepherd. They shall not want. The Lord makes them lie down in green pastures and leads them besides the still waters. He restores their soul. The Lord leads them in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they will fear no evil, for the Lord thy God is with them. His rod and his staff, they comfort them. The Lord has prepared a table for our enemies in front of their enemies for his glory and his honor, for the Lord's honor and glory. Their cup run it over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow them all the days of their life. And they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. I hope you get my drift. But that's the way you pray for your enemies. And you do it to the... That's where the anger and the resentment is coming from. Wanting to backlash to them. Use that fuel to pray Psalm 23. Use the fuel to bring down a blessing upon them. What the enemy meant for evil, we turn it to good. And then you'll see... How love works miracles. Amen. You'll have compassion for the lost. And they won't throw you off. Remember, the enemy's trying to throw you off. At the same time, we can win his the people he's using to throw us off. We can win them over or plant seeds. Another way to do it, if you get into a heavy discussion with someone, have the courage to say, I love you and I forgive you. Remember, you're planting a seed, a bomb, right into their hearts. I love you, and, they, and I'll forgive you. And, you. and I bless you in the name of the Lord. If they're coming at you, trying to ridicule you, you hit them with that, and you put a time bomb inside their stomachs. They're open for, they're waiting for accusation. Those people could be stuck on being shameful. They have... They have to circulate their shame. They have to do situations that will bring shame onto them because they're addicted to shame. So you have to drop in that bomb. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up his counsel and give you peace. I love you and I forgive you. Go in the name of the Lord. In some reality, put a word of God in them that they never heard before. They always have heard backlash. That's the way they grew up. That's the way they retaliate. And that's they, when they encounter a Christian and a Christian uses the sword of the spirit and, and slices them up that way, they'll never be the same again. God's word works.
God's blessings works. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Jesus in us. We are saved. We have $10 billion, and they're trying to, you know, we just got to let it go. You know, all they have is a few dollars. We just, hey, here. We don't need them. They need us. It's a cry for help, folks. Amen. One of you has to listen to it, or maybe me and myself. Limitless love. Okay, January 31st. Wait a minute, January 30th, excuse me. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the, the rottenness of the bones. Proverbs 14.30 A sound heart is the life to the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. If I'm trying to get over one on my enemy, how best I can attack his, his attacks and counterattack, then that's envy. You know, he's getting their desired results. But a sound heart is like life to the flesh. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. If you give, the Lord loves you and blesses you. I love you and I forgive you. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. If you want to find out more about what love really is, one way to do it is by finding out what love is not. And one thing the scripture clearly says that love isn't envious of others. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. If you think envy isn't a problem for you, you better think again. The Bible reveals that envy is a common human condition. It was probably for Cain in the book of Genesis. It was a problem, problem for King Saul during the days of young David. It was a problem for the Jewish in the book of Acts. And unless we guard it, in it, it will be a problem for us too. Envy can be defined simply as a feeling of discontent and ill will because of another's advantages, possessions, or, su- or successes. Such feelings often sneak up on us without our notice. Or another one's attacks on you and, and, their, and their intelligent mind you coming against your relaxed mind. That's what usually happens. We go to church rejoicing, for example, just thanking God for the blessings. When we drive into the parking lot, however, we see Sister Susie getting out of her new car. Suddenly, we're not rejoicing quite as much. Why on earth did she get a new car? We think, her old car was better than that one. (laughs) I have now. What's more, I have been standing in faith for a new car, and she hasn't. That happens more than not when we're going out with our enemy, and the enemy pulls up with a new car, huh? Those feelings are envious. That's why you have to bless to have an insurance policy that you're good with heaven. Watch out for thoughts like that. They're warning signs of envy. If you keep thinking them, you'll end up unhappy about another's advantage of success. You'll find yourself on that road of envy, and every step on that road is the step away from love. Of course, just because you had an envious thought doesn't mean you have an envy in your heart. Those thoughts are just invitations from the devil and the flesh. They're signals that let you know you're being tempted to go in that direction. So be quick to recognize those envious thoughts and resist them. Give them no place in your heart. 
over your life. Speak words of love instead. Say say things like, Lord, the supply for it, for my car is not here yet, but it will come. If I should praise you and thank you, it will surely come. Or you say, Lord, I praise you for giving my sister that new car. I rejoice that the blessing is working in her life. Then congratulate Sister Susie. Share in their excitement the way they want her to share in yours. Stay in faith and keep walking in love. Refuse to let envy block the path of the blessing. And before long, your new car will be the parking lot, in the parking lot. And Sister Susie will be the one congratulating you. All right, let's move on to our last reading from the 31st. No excuse for envy. In Romans 13, 13 and 14 says... Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Although envy makes its first move on us in subtle, seemingly insignificant ways, We should be aware from the beginning that envy in any form is a major enemy of love. What begins at a slight feeling of irritation or an inferiority that comes when someone has the finances and the finesse to dress more stylish than you can over time become more full-blown malice, hatred towards that person if you keep yielding to those thoughts and feelings of aggravation. You can love speaking slanderous words against them, defaming their character and truly injuring them, all because you didn't deal with your your envy about their wardrobe. Even when allowed to fester in the human heart, envy is a terrible thing. It becomes a dynamic force and opens the door to the most ungodly, unloving behavior. Envy was behind the first murder ever committed, Cain envy Abel because the Lord found Abel offering more acceptable than Cain's offering. It's hard to imagine murdering someone because they got a better offering than you. But that's what Cain actually did. That by itself is shocking enough. But the Bible also tells us that the Jewish leaders actually handed Jesus over to for crucifixion for the same reason. They did it because they envy his ministry. Mark 15.10. They envy his power and influence with the people. Why is it important for us to know that? Because it was not watchful. The devil will... If we are not watchful, the devil pressure us into acting the same way. He'll subtly introduce envy into our thoughts and into our emotions. He'll even use spiritual things to do it. If we're not aware of any of the assistance of his devices, the devil will have us resenting to fellow believers because he operates in the gift of healings and we don't. He'll have us opposing somebody else's ministry because they're having more success than we are. And no doubt he'll have us covering it all with spiritual excuses. Let's settle the fact right now that there is no excuse for envy. Let's make up our minds and hearts in advance that will make no room for it in our lives. The Bible makes it plain just how serious envy can be by putting it in the very wicked company 
It's listed along with murder, fornication, and strife, Romans 1, 28 and 29. So when it rears its ugly head, don't take it lightly. Stomp it out before it takes you out and protect your walk of love. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the work. And Lord, we just thank you for our enemies, Lord. We declare to them, I love you and I forgive you. May the blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, we cover you. In the blood of Jesus Christ, that cover you, that you may be saved, sanctified, holy, praising and worshiping the Lord God. We take advantage of this time and we use our choices for good. We choose to bless. We choose to bless as the scripture says. Amen. Because we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we bless others. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, we declare them blessed. Amen and amen. Have a good day, family. Give them heaven. January 1st, Limitless Love, a life worth living. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. First John 2, 3 and 6, New American Standard. A great many people claim to know God. They call themselves Christians and say, the Lord told me this or the Lord told me that. Yet it is not just what we say that proves we know Jesus. It's how we live. The Bible says, if we are abiding in him, we will live as he lived. How did Jesus live? First and foremost, he lived a life of love. Jesus didn't live for himself. He didn't seek to do his own will. He lived to do the will of his Father. He lived to pour out his life for others. You might say it this way. Jesus lived to give himself away. Worldly people don't understand that kind of life. They'll warn you against it. They'll say, if you live like that, you'll be miserable. You'll never have any fun. You'll never get anywhere. You'll be a weakling and people will walk all over you. But don't listen. They don't know what they're talking about. Jesus lived like that and his life was wonderful. He walked the earth in total victory. He defeated Satan and destroyed his works at every turn. Everywhere he went, he loved people. He made the blind see, the deaf hear, and the lame walk. He cast out demons and raised the dead. He made people know the love of God. No matter how the world tries to convince us that it is more rewarding to live in sin and selfishness than in love and obedience, Jesus proved it's not. He lived the most rewarding life in history. If you live the life of love by faith in Jesus, you'll have the same kind of experience he had. Jesus said in John fourteen twelve. You'll even do the works that he did. You won't be cheated out of the good things in life. On the contrary, you'll enjoy the most thrilling line of victory. The most thrilling life of victory. 
you could ever imagine. You'll experience God pouring his power out through you. You'll know the joy of the Lord. Now, that's what I call a life worth living. January the 2nd, a simple natural secret. He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. John fourteen twenty one and fifteen twenty one. Something about the manifest presence of the Lord is indescribable. Although we know God is with us always, when we can sense his presence and when we can't, every believer who has ever experienced the tangible presence of God hungers for it more and more. That's why we often hear believers say, Lord, I want more of you. Having tasted the sweet awareness of God's presence, they are seeking it with greater fervency than ever before. They want to experience his nearness and hear his voice. They don't just want to know theological facts about God. They want to have living contact with him. Some try to experience his presence by running from one meeting to another, seeking spectators, signs, and wonders. Others pray for hours, begging and pleading to God to reveal himself. Certainly, Holy Spirit anointed meetings are wonderful and prayer is essential. But Jesus gave us the major key to his manifest presence that many people overlook. The key of love. <clears throat> In essence, he said, I will make myself to those. I will manifest myself to those who believe in me and keep my commandments of love. Living a life of love is essential if you want to maintain vital control with God. Every step is in love is a step towards him and every step out of love draws you away. Years ago, Rufus mostly caught him sight of the revelation that if we live by the commandment of love, God's presence will always be with us. He, This is what he said. I knew this was the secret. If we abide in his love and always go in love, feeling and willing and giving out nothing but love and all possible love to all men and all things, we will always be in him under his anointing. It was made known to me that I could write editorials and do everything else that could be done in the loving spirit of Jesus. I could even be in heavenly places while plowing with a mule pruning trees and courtrooms, in death cells in all places of need, provided all was done in the spirit of love. Amen. What a wonderful, simple, yet supernatural secret. The more we live by love, the more we'll experience the manifest presence of God. As we work in love, we'll be increasingly able to sense our Lord Jesus Christ walking with us everywhere we go. And since his presence being brings fullness of joy, that will no longer that will make everything we do a delight. Again, what a wonderful, simple, yes, supernatural secret. The more we live by love, the more we'll experience the manifest presence of God as we walk in love, we'd be increasingly able to sense our Lord Jesus walking with us everywhere we go. 
And since his presence brings fullness of joy, Psalm 16:11, and we make everything we do a delight. That will make everything we do a delight. Amen and amen.